welcome to HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. All right, we're on to episode five today. Jesus has been growing in popularity, um, so much so that people were claiming that he was crazy. Some say that he had a demon or was working for the prince of the demons, and Jesus has had to have some pretty strong rebuttal in the last chapter. We're going to be starting Mark 4 today. Yes, and uh, we're thankful that Jesus has already kind of whet our appetite for what parables are and having to deal with those questions on whether or not he was sent by Beelzebul. He already taught in one parable, but in chapter 4, it's all about the parables. So, That's right. Yeah. So we're going to have this whole collection that Mark has for us of parables. And Jesus will teach in lots of different parables at different times, but the gospel authors have collected some of them for us here. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how the parables are used in different contexts in different ways. Uh, there will be some images here that if you're used to reading the Sermon on the Mount, for instance, in like Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that he'll use some of the images here in a slightly different way. So let's begin. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. We're going to pick up with Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. All right, so here's another parable or another story that Jesus is going to use to teach with. And he's by the sea again. We've seen that a couple different times already. Mm -hmm. And again, hugely popular. I mean, he's got to get in a boat. And uh, it's amazing to think about this. Again, this is an agrarian culture. And so these people are farmers. And a lot of Jesus' parables are going to have to do with things they were dealing with every single day. Yeah. And um, some of that gets lost on us in our very industrial culture and our times. But Jesus was using common everyday pictures to describe the nature of his work and of his kingdom. Yeah, and I always like pointing out in this story and this parable as Jesus is teaching, you notice he gets in the boat. And did you notice his posture? He sat down. When you think about a teacher coming to teach his disciples, I just like to imagine someone being big and boisterous and teaching loud and standing up. But Jesus, he sits down and he starts telling this really simple parable that's got three easy easy components to it. You've got the seed. You've got this sower 
and you've got soils. Yeah. And so we're not going to talk a whole lot about this parable initially. I mean, what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't give the explanation to everybody. He just kind of tells this story. And this is one of the most famous parables of Jesus. A lot of people have heard this parable and are like, oh, yeah, like I can see where this one's going. And there's probably a reason he tells this one first is he kind of gets us thinking about, oh, okay, like I see where he's going with this. But honestly, without the explanation, it would have been a little confusing, I think, at first to be like, "What? okay, cool story about a farmer and some soil, some different kinds of soil. Like, yeah, I've seen that happen. But why are you telling us about this, Jesus? Right. It would and, have been the reaction of some people. And it, it goes back to what the word parable itself means. It, the Greek word is parabole, and it means a throwing alongside. And so Jesus is telling the story to throw alongside a spiritual application and a spiritual point, which he'll explain in just a few seconds. Yeah, that's right. So he's using these images to teach that. So um, at the end of this section, it says that he, when he was alone, so this is going to kind of fast forward a little bit to a, a time after this, that uh, the 12 come to him, but also there's some other disciples who stick around. Yeah. And I appreciate this. They want to ask him about the parable. So they come and they ask him. And Jesus is pleased with that. He says, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Now, Jesus here is not trying to say that he doesn't want everybody to be saved or that, like, this is just a secret club and, like, I've just picked you. He wants people to seek. And one reason that he's teaching in parables is to weed out the true seekers from the casual listeners. Jesus is not wanting some people to kind of come along and just casually say, oh, that was very intellectually interesting. I appreciate your input. And then go off and do whatever they want to do. He's wanting people who will listen and realize, this is tough. I need to dig some more on that. Can you explain that parable to me? And and I love this, that they ask, and they receive. He says, to you has been given to, to know the secret of the kingdom of God. Not, not because of some arbitrary reason, but because they were seeking. And you see this from Jesus a lot. When his disciples or the apostles come and ask him questions after a parable, sometimes he'll give them the outright answer. But sometimes he'll give them a little bit of rebuke for maybe not thinking about it enough. I mean, I've had school teachers do that to me. Sometimes I'll come and ask them a question after class and they know that I probably just haven't put enough thought into it, and so they rebuke me a little bit. But you know what they end up doing at the end of the day? They explain it to me. And that's how Jesus is. He'll explain it if you'll ask and truly want to know the answer. Yeah. And there's this quote here uh, from Isaiah 6 um, that uh, he quotes, so that they may see and not perceive, hear and not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. This is a, a process that's been going on for a long time yep. with the Old Testament prophets and God's people. Okay. So that brings us to the next section, uh, which is the explanation of the first parable. This is the only uh, parable that gets an explanation in this chapter. Yes. We're going to read verses 13 through 20, and I'm reading from the New American Standard. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear... Immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who, when they heard the word, immediately received it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. 
and others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. So it's kind of funny, you know, we, we often hear this called the parable of the sower, but the focus of the parable, like we almost know nothing about the sower. Yeah, five words parable. here in verse 14, the sower sows the word. Right. And that's about it. Um, now I think there is an application to think about this from the perspective of the sower, but really the focus that Jesus is giving, it's the parable of the soils. Right. And it might be a better title for it. I don't know. Um, I don't know who gets to make the, the official <laughs> titles for these things. But Jesus tells the parable, and um, the focus is the soil. So the the sower sows the word in verse 14. So that's an important part. So this word is being given. And you'll notice that the word hear comes up in all four of the types of soils. All of them hear the word. And again, Jesus isn't just wanting people to listen to him. He's wanting people to take in the word that he's giving. So the first type of soil, they hear, and of course, this is the, the hard ground. You know, it's by the a pathway. People have been walking on it all day. So what kind of soil is it? It's, it's hard. It's, hard packed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the seed doesn't even get in the ground. It's just on the surface. So the birds come down and have some food. And that's the end of that. So he talks here that that's kind of, that's what happens when Satan comes and takes away the word that's sown in them. There's all sorts of modern ways that this happens where people are starting to think about God or, or listen to his word, but there's some kind of modern explanation where people come and try to belittle someone's faith or say that, well, science has disproved a need for God. Or there's even false teachings uh, where someone's reading the word and they hear a, a false explanation of it. And the power of the word is taken away by some charismatic teacher, um, charismatic just in the sense of like influential teacher. And so it's very uh, scary that, to think about Satan's active in the world, trying to keep people from hearing the word and responding to it. And that's part of this parable. Yeah. You got the next one and the seed is sown in the rocky places. So you just imagine a, a big old pile of rocks or, or gravel or whatever have you. And of course, underneath the gravel or underneath the rocks, what do you have? You got a little bit of soil. You got a little bit of dirt there that maybe some seed uh, can grow in. And uh, Jesus says these are the ones who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But because of the rocks, there's no firm root. It's not able to dig that root far down into the ground. It's only temporary. And Jesus tells us that when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. So they have no depth of, of, of root. And when these hard things come because of this word that they believe from Jesus, they give up. And Jesus says they fall away, fall away from the faith. They fall away from what they believed. Yeah, they started and they quit pretty quickly. Yes. And so this is someone, it looks like this is someone who's converted. They, they receive the word with joy, but then this uh, persecution comes along. And again, Jesus is just, he doesn't pull punches. He, he tells people, this is going to be hard. If you want to follow me, you're going to be persecuted like they persecuted me. And that's kind of the first layer of weeding out here. So a lot of people start with joy very quickly, but not all of them last. Right. They have no endurance. That's right. So there's the third type of soil um, that has the thorns in it and they hear the word and they look pretty good. I mean, this 
seed's got some decent roots. It's growing up, but there's no fruit. Why is there no fruit? Well, there's these thorns in the soil eating up all the resources that would help the plant to bear fruit. And what's interesting to me is he he, he points out uh, three things here. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desires for other things. And two of those things, I think we can see pretty clearly, okay, like desires of the world, like just the desire for fame or power or comfort or whatever, pleasure. Uh, The uh, deceitfulness of riches is a huge one uh, that leads a lot of people astray is money and security. But then just desires for other things. So there's a lot of things that are not wrong in and of themselves, but they can become wrong to us when they are choking the power of the word out of our life. I mean, I think about just our busy American culture. Like this is so common that people are, are listening to the word and they maybe go to church, but they're not really bearing fruit in their life because they got so many other things going on. And, and again, things that aren't necessarily sinful, but they just don't have any time to really be sharing the word with others or be really applying it in their life. The, the, the kingdom of God is not a priority for them. It's just kind of a pastime that they do on Sundays, maybe. And he's saying, this is like thorny ground. You're not actually bearing fruit. You're not actually prioritizing the kingdom of God. Yeah. And if you were, these things that are distracting you, you would do away with them. If you knew how bad they were choking you and hurting you, you would do away with those, but you don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, this that, that strikes at my heart. I just want to say that as we're recording this, like, you know, we preach this and teach this, but wow, I, I all the time see thorns in my life yep. that I need to get out that I just realize, you know, this may not be bad, but it's just distracting me. Right. And it has the potential to get to the point where it chokes me out. And so I need to get a hold of it now. That's right. Yeah. The next one we have, and the last one is of course, the seed that's sown on the good soil. And I love the order in which that Jesus gives this for us. It's those who hear the word accept the word and bear fruit 30, 60 and a hundredfold. And it's in that order. They hear it and they accept it. And because they're willing to accept it, they're that good soil. You know, it's been nicely tilled. It's able to take root and it's able to grow to the point where it's bearing fruit. What might that look like? Well, it talks in like other passages like Galatians five, like the fruit of the spirit, the result of God's work in our life, joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, all these character qualities that God wants. And what's also interesting here is the multiplication, 30-fold, 60-fold. That's just a way of saying times 30, times 60, times 100. And that's what farming is about, right? So like you plant seed, plant comes up, and what's inside the fruit? More seed, right? And so part of the fruit is the multiplication of it, that we're sharing the word with other people. The word is planted in us to the point that now we've accepted it and it's grown within us to where we are now sharing more seed, more word with other people. And there's different levels of that. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. There's different ones of us at different levels, but we're all supposed to be bearing fruit. That's right. Uh, When we would farm corn, you would get some stocks that had three ears on it and some that would have five or six. And both that's corn. They're both being effective. They're both doing their job. One just has more than other in terms of what it's bearing. That's right. And so I think at the end of this parable, Jesus just explained it. What question do you think Jesus wants us to come away with? 
he wants us to come away with asking ourselves, what soil are we? Mm-hmm. And sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, it might be this road soil, or it might be the rocky soil or the thorn soil. But you're not supposed to give up after that. That's right. He's not saying like, okay, there's four types of people. It's like a personality test. You just take the test. Yeah. Like you see what kind you are and like, that's it. Yeah. And if you're not in this 25%, you're done. <laughs> yeah. So th- that's not the point of Jesus' parable. The point is like farming, if there's hard ground, what do you do? You till it. You, you break it up. Break it up. Dig down in there. You got to loosen the soil. And if there's rocky ground, you got to dig deep and get the rocks out. And if there's thorny ground, you got to do you some weeding. Yank, yank them weeds out fast. That's right. Yeah. And the thing is, even if you're good ground, it, 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 you, you just weed like once, right? And like once the garden is weeded, it just stays clean. Right? Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, just once. <laughs> What's really fun is when you've went weeks without weeding and then you've just got this enormous yeah. problem. That's it right. is an easier thing to deal with if you're just daily going out and pulling out small weeds. That's right. So there's lots of applications and yeah. layers to this parable. I wish we could spend more time. We're just going to move on for our purposes of the podcast today, but lots to meditate on in these parables of Jesus. So let's read the next parable. Um, verses 21 through 23 of Mark four. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, lots of emphasis on hearing in this section. But here we have the parable of the lamp. Uh, Sometimes the lamp is supposed to represent us. Uh, here, I think, it's a little bit of a different context. This is one of those examples of Jesus using an image in different ways in different places. Context is so important. What comes before it, what comes after it. This is so true of Bible reading. We have to read a whole chapter and a whole book sometimes together to get the meaning of some of these individual phrases. Um, so here, I think the idea is that Jesus is the light. His teaching is the light. And it's coming in to reveal what's in the darkness. I mean, the parable of the sower is all about what kind of soil am I? That's shedding some light in my heart. And it may not be pretty, but I, I need to know what's in there. Mm-hmm. And so he says, there's nothing hidden that's not going to be brought out into the light. Yeah, And when you're a light that's as bright as Jesus Christ, there's nothing that can be hidden from it. And Jesus, he not only does this with his disciples, but he does it with the Pharisees. He mm-hmm. will expose their deeds of darkness. And uh, there'll be, they, a lot of them won't be moved by that, but that's what Jesus is there for. That's right. I mean, that's what the word does to us is, I mean, we read the word and there's so many times we come away convicted. It's like, I, I feel like that was just speaking straight to my heart yeah. because that's what God's word is designed to do. It's a light that shines in the darkness of our hearts and helps us to uh, bring some light in. Um, and again, it's not the, the end state, but we have to first see what's going on if we're going to improve it by God's grace. Yeah. And so verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Be ready to hear the correction that Jesus has for you as he's exposing your darkness and, and hear it out. Mm-hmm. That's right. So then we got this next little parable, um, verses 24 and 25. Yeah, it says, And he was saying to them, Take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you, and more will be given you besides. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Yeah, so again, this is an interesting, almost a farming parable about measures. Mm-hmm. Again, in, in their culture, you know, you, you measure out the goods that you're giving or receiving to other people. And he says that 
Pay attention to what you hear. Again, listen up. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. I think the idea here is of using a generous measure. You could use like kind of a, a, a false measure, like just be uh, trying to cheat people out of extra stuff. Or you can use a generous measure, yeah. and then that'll come back to you. Yeah, the baker's dozen, right? That, yeah, kind <laughs> of the idea. And so generosity generates generosity, but then also those who don't give don't receive. There's the idea of like just being open here uh, to Jesus and his teaching. And then he says in the next verse, 25, the one who has, more will be given. That's kind of like the generous guy. And then the one who does not have, even when he has, will be taken away. So I think there's a real emphasis on the, our openness to Jesus' teaching and our willingness to apply it. Um, in the parable of the sower, the seed that like didn't even take root, even what there was, was there was taken away. And the seed that grew the most multiplied the most. The one who has more, more was given. The one who didn't have what he has was taken away. And that's kind of what has happening as Jesus is teaching in these parables is some people are like, well, that was weird. And then they go home and that's it. And other people are like, oh, wow, I need some more of that. And they ask Jesus and he gives them more. I'll say this too. I think this is perfectly placed in Mark's gospel. We've already talked about some hard things and Jesus has already said some hard things just in the parable of the soils. But as we get into Mark, Jesus is going to address marriage, divorce. He's going to talk about being a servant. He's going to talk about a lot of other touchy things. And if you're not open to that teaching, you're not going to receive it. And so Mark, I think, is setting us up pretty early by saying, if you come to Jesus with a closed mind, you're not going to get anything out of it. Open up your mind and be ready to change when you hear what he has to say. Mm, that's right. And so much of this is because of who Jesus is. Right. You look at these miracles, look at the signs and, and believe the words. So that brings us to the next parable. Uh, this is one of my favorites in the chapter. Just kind of a small one here. Um, in verse 26, it says, And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. I love this one. It is just so relatable. I don't know how a lot of that stuff works. But I know if the you know soil is right and the climate's right, if you stick a corn seed in the ground at the right time of year, at some point, a corn stalk is going to show up. I couldn't tell you how that happened or anything like that, but Jesus is saying that's what the kingdom of God is like. This man, he's out casting the seed, but he's not sure how it's actually growing. He just knows it does. Yeah, that really is amazing when you think about it, that like, well, who, who makes the crops grow? It's not the farmer. <laughs> just, the farmer doesn't know how to make a corn stalk. He knows that if he yeah. takes a, a, the seed, puts it in the ground, and gives it the right conditions, right. then the earth and the seed will interact and it will it will grow. But I mean, a lot of that growth happens while he's sleeping. Yeah. You know, he's not out there saying, all right, corn, you got to grow. Like, <laughs> work on the next year today. You know, like he's not given instruction. It just, it has programmed by God, created by God to grow. And so the kingdom is like that. And that's really amazing to think about is that, you know, we plant, we water. Of course, Jesus is the one doing the planting and the watering here. But ultimately, the growth comes from God. I love 1 Corinthians uh, 
chapter three on this that uh, talks about the, the nature of planting and watering. Uh, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 7. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. So this is talking to Christians in the city of Corinth. These were the teachers that come to them. And these were their roles. Verse 6. I, that's Paul, planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he nor who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And I love that. I mean, just like the farmer here, you know, he doesn't know how the seed is growing. We plant and water, but ultimately it's God working in people's hearts. Yes. Working in our hearts. And that's, I think, the big point of this parable. There's a second point here where it talks about the earth producing uh, by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Growth takes time. We don't just change overnight. Now, we need to repent as soon as we realize what's wrong in our life. It's not an excuse, but it's also telling us we've got to be patient with this. God is continuing to work on us. The, the, the corn doesn't just pop up overnight. You're like, okay, I put the seed in the ground. Where's my food? <laughs> there's, there's a process that we have to go through before the fruit is fully mature. And then the, the sickle is put in and there's the harvest. It has its purpose. And whenever we get to that point, God will use us. That's right. I think one point that we ought to ask here is like, well, what's the harvest? And what does God want at the harvest from me as a, as a plant? You know, right. <laughs> thinking from a plant perspective, a lot of times people come to Christianity thinking, oh, well, what do I want from Christianity? Yeah. How is this going to make my life better? But really we need to be thinking about what does God want at the end of all this? Yeah. He's the creator. I'm the created. I'm coming to him saying, what do you need? What, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's powerful to think about. Um, that the, the fruit, the, the transformation he wants from us is that we look like Jesus mm-hmm. at the end of all this. Yeah, and bear fruit. Mm-hmm. All right, so then we have verses 30 through 34, and uh, I'm going to start reading verse 30. It says, And he said, How shall we picture the kingdom of God, or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them, so far as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. Okay, so... This last parable is another kind of famous parable of Jesus, uh, the parable of the mustard seed. And he introduces this by saying this is about the kingdom of God. He's yes. two parables, the seed growing during the night and the, the mustard seed. He says, this is what, what can we say about the kingdom? How, how can we compare it to something? And what's the point about using a mustard seed specifically? Well, it's tiny. I mean, it's yeah. really, really small. Yeah. Yeah, and Jesus here is using a little bit of hyperbole. Like, it's not literally the smallest seed. Yeah, so some seed. have gone here and been like, it's not technically the smallest seed. Right. It's like, well, that's not what Jesus' right. point It's really is. small. I mean, yeah, Jesus it's, it's is not trying to seed. be scientifically technical here, but he's just saying, it's like the smallest seed on earth, but it becomes huge. Yeah. And it's true that, like, this tiny seed, have you ever really thought about that? It's true of, like, almost any seed. Yeah, exactly. Like, how is the whole plant, like, packed into that little thing? I mean, of course, like, it we understand how plants grow, but that's really incredible. It's impressive. Yeah, uh, how that works. And so it starts really, really small, 
but then it becomes larger than the other garden plants. It puts up branches and the birds of the air come and make nests in its shade. And it's amazing as you read through the gospel, you see this taking place. Mm-hmm. When we get to the end of Mark, Jesus is going to have quite the following. He's going to have several people in the kingdom of God following him. But even after he dies and he's raised and uh, he ascends uh, into heaven, we see the apostles continuing the same thing. And the gospel is growing and the kingdom of God is growing. And by the end of the book of Acts, you see it as far as Rome and even further parts of Asia as well. Yeah, it's really amazing to think about the growth of the kingdom on just a large scale. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus picks, like we talked about a couple of episodes ago, he picks these 12 guys, fishermen, a tax collector, just like nobodies. Mm-hmm. And this movement turns the world upside down. Yep. It's just unbelievable. And here we are 2,000 years later still discussing and still marveling about these things. It's it's just remarkable yeah. the and, effect that this man and his teaching has on history. And you don't you see it also in, in the gospel, like we just said, but you also see it in individuals. You take a man like Saul of Tarsus, somebody who was persecuting Christians, he turns his life over to Christ. And he ends up writing half of the New Testament. He is somebody that the the, the seed that was planted in grew to have shade and to uh, to have other birds nest under it. Yeah, I just love the, the, that point that we're not just given this blessing of a kingdom, of a relationship with God so that our lives can be comfortable, but so that we can then be a blessing in turn to other people. Uh, I think that's a powerful picture at the end of these parables. And of course, he wraps up this section, verses 33 and 34, saying like, this is just a small sampling of the parables. He spoke a lot of parables as they're able to hear it and like, Everything came with a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Again, those who are asking and seeking are getting uh, a more in-depth understanding of all these teachings of Jesus. So I hope this whets our appetite for more teachings from Jesus. He's called the master teacher for a reason. And these parables, these word pictures give us so much to think about and meditate on. We've just given a small sampling today. Uh, But I hope that this encourages you to think more about the parables and the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. And so next week, we'll get to talk about some more miracles that Jesus did, some amazing things he was doing with casting out demons. And then we'll also get to talk about the role of fear and faith as we read through those. And that's a theme through that. If you get a chance to read ahead, if you're listening to our podcast, we're going to be doing 435, Mark 435, all the way through the end of chapter 5. And if you read that, just watch for the theme of fear and faith in those miracles. It's really jumped out at me not too long ago uh, when I was reading Mark. Again, if you have any questions about today's episode um, and you'd like to contact us, please, you can call or text us at 717-585-0949. Email us at capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or for more information, check us out on the web at capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening today.